0: You sound like you got that long COVID going, bro.
1: Yeah. I mean, my wife and I are both waking up fatigued and eh, whatever. I'm not going to sit here and bitch about being.
0: No, fuck it. Yeah. I'm tired too. I was working out yesterday. Oh, good. That's awesome. You know, you're getting old when you're doing curls and stuff and your legs are sore the next day.
1: (laughs) Now we've been working out daily. Uh, I didn't yesterday, but we have been uh, at least cardio. So Mm -hmm. every day for for a few months. That's the most important part. Yeah. In my mind, yeah. Um, so uh, we got some inflation numbers, and we got a bit of a dump on the market today.
0: What's your What's your thinking, yeah. Joe? My read is okay. The the issue on the CPI print number it is lower than last month, yeah. but it's not as low as people forecast. So people adjust, right. and the reason they're adjusting now is because now they're trying to figure out well, the back end of this FOMC rate hikes is it 75. You know, and I mean, I I even threw out there potentially, you know, 100. Uh, But it seems to me that, you know, this is a good thing to me because it takes out the speculation. It takes out the people that are worried. There's always somebody buying on the other side. Um, I don't think it's as bad as I say, because the whole thing was, oh, I'm sorry. CPI was 8.3, I believe. Expected 8.1. Last month, it was 8.5. But the core inflation rate was was five nine or no excuse me six three. I think it went up from five nine to six point three, primarily on um, uh, mostly uh, housing costs a little right. bit of food but not much there and gas is going down you know the Saudis bumped production over a million, 11 million barrels a day um, without a big announcement they're pumping um, you know Price Morgan Stanley and UBS both say the price of gas is going down so the real problem to me looks to be Rental, in, rental costs, housing yeah. costs. Um, I don't know in that CPI number if that's just rentals or if that somehow includes ownership of houses. Um, and I don't know what, how that, I, I can't really see how that would work, but it seems to me that it's about rent costs. And so you see transportation up, you see all the other things up, but to me, those are the ones that are all kind of tied together. Sean so- said
1: every category of inflation increased, but energy and energy looks like it could pump.
0: Is he talking about U.S.?
1: I guess. I would assume so.
0: A second. Let me just pull up my chart. I don't know. I'm trying to find this. I same. haven't had time to look at it. I today. think I had it in my Twitter feed. Yeah, here it is. Here's all the categories. Um, if you look at my feed, Pathfinder 305, you know, you'll see that really they didn't all um, go up. Energy... Commodities, energy overall decreased five negative five this month. Um, gasoline, negative 10, fuel oil, oh, sorry fuel oil, negative five point nine. Uh, used cars actually went down a little bit. Um, so you don't see it there. where you see it is trans, transportation services in the you know the services sector. And then you see a, some other stuff down there, medical care, but not as much as transportation. You see it. I'm looking at the high, the year number. You see it in right. vehicles. Um, but the year numbers are bad, obviously, on energy services, fuel, oil, gasoline, all sure. of that. But that's going down. Um, food actually went down, too. July was 1.1. Now, these are monthly numbers that I guess you would annualize. And then in August, it was 0. 0.8 uh food at home was 1.3 and then it went down to 0.7 food away from home was 0.7 went up to 0.9 so restaurant prices are going up yes right but to me it's the um it's the core stuff so minus energy and food that's what went up so that's all the other stuff that we don't focus on and that's that's troubling that is a little troubling i admit but i think if I saw some stuff on people converting commercial real estate in Texas into housing. You know, of course, high-end condos and things like that. So I'm starting to think maybe there's going to be some adjustment there where you're going to get some commercial converts over to, you know, rentals. Um, Something that brings the price down. I mean, that's the one thing um, is the biggest thing to me. So I look at it as, you know, not, it's not end of the world news. I don't think, I mean, I actually looked at it as meh, meh. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) you know nothing big but it gives everybody an excuse to do what they're going to do trade it out or or do whatever oh, yeah. I mean, you know i looked at the charts on bitcoin and eth earlier today right after the cpi print and of course you saw that cliff right there if you're looking at you know one minute candles but then you brought up it's not that much you know it's not right. like so again any other news i think rallies this in any direction but you know sean is You know, I know what Sean thinks is going to happen, and I tend to think that's going to happen, too, eventually. Um, But deep V is my perspective. I'm not looking at a bleed-out, long-term decline. I'm looking at it as a big rebalancing. So to me, that was just one, the first event of this week. You know, we got the Senate hearings. We got, of course, the merge, and we got the FOMC stuff. So It's interesting.
1: Prior to this dump this morning, I'm assuming this thing comes out prior to it um the fear
0: 30
1: yeah yeah the fear greed index had made its way up to 34 so i'm assuming they only update this once a day uh so i'm assuming it'll head back down to 25 but it was 25 yesterday so it had a nine point climb yesterday which is uh a little fascinating to me but that was also on those rises that that were happening yesterday in bitcoin and ethereum prices so um anyway look i mean We're, we are, uh, where are we on this? Uh, Like uh, one day, 12 hours, something like that for the merge. Yeah. Oh, look at that. One day, 11 hours and 59 minutes uh, until the merge. People are trying to game it in both directions. I am not personally going to touch the proof of work shit just because I don't trust those those folks that are uh forking and so uh, i think they'll fuck it up in some way or another there are risks to it as well um so you know not something i'm even gonna mess with it's trading at like 18 bucks right now on futures um and you can fully expect that within minutes of the merge completion uh everybody in their every whale and their dog will be dumping like a motherfucker of that shit on the centralized exchanges so i'm not going to bother with it i'm not going to burn my uh i'm not going to burn my chain binder nfts to
0: get that eth out beforehand hey what happens to um if you have a short position on and you know i guess the fork happens and now we have the two you know ETH proof of stake and and ETH proof of work does the short stay on both or like well, what I'm- it depends it
1: depends on if that dex is functioning and existing and and real on the other side right i mean and that's that's what makes the proof of work fork such a joke because there's no way in hell they can shore up every friggin defy project on the fork i mean there's just there's just no way they can't there, there are too many holes in the network that require you know, something functioning, especially oracles, uh, for anything to work properly. So mm-hmm. my my feeling is shorts, longs, I, I don't know that any of it's gonna matter because I don't think that chain's gonna last more than ten minutes. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but well I, I just, I just is- don't think anything's gonna function.
0: So what happened with BCH then when they did that fork? I mean why I mean well, BCH BCH was a why?
1: Compl- yeah BCH was a, a, a an easier fork because no, there's no, no DeFi. Dash. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no DeFi on Bitcoin. Right, right. right got so it. especially then there was nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. at least now you have Stacks and, and a few others, but there was nothing to shore up, right? It's just the token and the chain.
0: And there, so there's no, what what do people do on BCH? I mean, I heard that you can pay for stuff in now, like an island. BCH,
1: B- BCH, I believe, has added smart contracts after the hmm. fact, okay. but they didn't have to keep anything up and running. Whereas the proof of work chain, I mean, there are yeah. thousands of DApps, right? yeah, and even and even the major ones, they're not going to have Oracle capabilities. It's a train wreck. Um, and look, it's a grift. It, it's a total grift. That, that's all those guys are doing. So, mm-hmm. it's a grift. And they could have, like I said, you know, they knew five years ago that POS, POS was coming. Five years ago, they could have put money into Ethereum Classic which is a proof of work chain, kept mining, built up a DeFi functionality there. They could have started a year and a half ago when DeFi was taking off and built up the same thing over there, shored up some of these protocols over there, moved them over, forked them, copied them, cloned them, copy pasta, whatever, and had a proof of work chain that they could support. But that's what tells me that they're not serious, right? They don't really give a shit about keeping DeFi running. They just give a shit about trying to make some money in the short term on a quick, on a quick, you know, dump.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It's, it's pretty much, I mean, the biggest problem here is how do you transfer, I guess all the different protocol PVLs from proof of work to proof of stake. And I guess they're all going to migrate automatically um, leaving nothing behind.
1: All, well, all of the contracts will be there. You know, All of the contracts will be on the chain because it's a fork.
0: Right. So,
1: so those contracts will be there and theoretically functioning You know, like they should. The problem is they rely on oracles. They rely on um, all kinds of components and pieces that have to interoperate together across composable protocols. And most of them are just going to fail right? The, the only thing that I'm seeing experts say, especially security experts say is, you know, maybe you mess with dumping whatever you have onto a centralized exchange and then sell it there as fast as you can to get as much value as you can for those tokens. To me, it's just not worth the risk and the pain and the suffering. So, I'm I'm, I'm not, I'm not touching it. Not even going to mess with it.
0: Yeah. it's Problematic. I mean, I've seen a lot of articles, but wait, what Perp john said perp contracts
1: moved to eth 2.0 there are a few exchanges offering eth proof of work contracts they're all oh. live now
0: yeah. so you could go in and short it right now uh it, i guess yeah 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 uh, well i guess again. if you believe it's going to zero
1: yeah niblet says it gives everyone the excuse to front front one what they think everyone else will do <laughs> it's true it's
0: true it's yeah good true. point
1: very true um Let's see what else did we have going on oh, today,
0: there's Bill? tons of good news i mean the kkr stuff you know yeah. KKR's. that's the this is the breakdown everybody of uh the the inflation rate so um you can find it on the cpi site it breaks it out there on their official one it's in my twitter feed and
1: oh you didn't put well. the link in oh you did you put the link in our group
0: uh i don't know if i put it in the group but it's in my feed and okay. it's in the DeFi lunch feed too. Yeah, I that's what I mean. I tag I, all that shit.
1: I, lo- I, I loaded it. What, oh, there it is.
0: Yeah, not telling. I mean, I put these in Telegram, but I also put them into DeFi lunch as far as on Twitter. Yeah, so look, I mean, it. I'm just going to say it doesn't really get much bigger than this right now. You know what? $600 billion private equity fund, you know, is putting a portion of one fund, tokenizing it, and putting on Avalanche. That's I mean, obviously awesome. the test. But still, I mean, yeah. so this is, oh, sorry, 471 billion. <laughs> this is, um, you know, they did it with securitized
1: healthcare so funds. Yeah, this is pretty good.
0: I mean, I, I like this. So you see, oh, something so, like oh
1: that's the securitized deal you tweeted out earlier. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Understand now. Wow, so that's so really fascinating. Now, are they doing it straight on the main chain or did they do a subnet? They must have done it on I the think main it's a,
0: chain. Oh, I don't know, actually. I, I so read it's
1: security. basically a securitized, tokenized or securitized token of that fund available on avalanche, but I'm assuming you have to go through KYC to buy it. Uh, yeah, I
0: would it, is, but I think, yeah. so you got to understand a lot of these private equity funds, you know, they have minimums, you know, I right. bet their funds are minimums of probably a quarter million. I mean, some are like higher than that, you know, much higher The the real specialty ones. Uh, it might be lower, you know, I don't, it might be 25,000. Like I can, the standard stuff is, um, but what is uh, working with president? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, sort of allow individuals to come in who don't have a quarter million in cash to put down into an account, and right. be able to buy like you know fractions of private equity funds. And this is really important because one of the problems with private equity funds, and I've been burned on this before too, is that the, it's very hard. They're not liquid. It's very hard, or well, let's put it this way it's not easy to get out just like selling a share let's say or or swapping right. some crypto you know there's gates and you got to give notices and i think usually it's like 90 day advance notice and to get refunded in the next quarter at the end of the next quarter so so this kind of opens up pe private equity to small investors too and right. you know, this is where the you know i don't know how to say this the right way but you know a lot of people don't like to hear the words like backroom deals and you know, platform deals, this is where those all happen. Yeah. So, at this level, so to me, I like this because it's opening up what is pretty much an exclusive uh, financial industry to everybody.
1: Well, I, what um, I love is, not just is what one, you, were, but, you know, more, what, Go ahead. what you were just talking about, and the fact that they emphasize the increased ease of use for individual investors, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's as easy as a wallet and a token. And um, whereas the, the other way is a nightmare of bureaucracy and bullshit. So yeah, right. I definitely, I, I think that's, I think you're right. This is important. And, and I think it's, uh, so, pretty but powerful when you com- to see.
0: When you combine that with the, um, the other article I put out today, I think on, uh, illiquid assets for tokenization by 2030, uh, right. BCG did most of this and another group, I, I want to say like maybe APPX or ADDX or something I haven't heard of them, but, um, Look, sixteen trillion dollars. Now, this is things like private equity funds, uh, houses. Right. This is stuff that you know you can't just go out and sell in five seconds. Right. And you know when we start kind of adding that into the uh, say capital pool, as far as for capital velocity and allocation and market efficiency, I mean this just this just adds a whole nother level to it. Sure. Um, and if you look at the chart in there, scroll down. Um, right there. That's the chart. And look at uh listed equity, unlisted other equity investment funds. Okay, that's the dark one. Darkish one. Yeah. yeah. So what is that about point four percent or is that point seven? That's equity. Point four here. Yeah, so point four of sixteen trillion. Right. I mean well,
1: and this this gray area it says is other tokenizable assets assets.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That could be things like other derivative or esoteric financial instruments. I mean, I've seen people in all these kinds of funny deals from, um, you know, where there's different tax tax rules and, you know, you make investments for tax purposes. So you get to kind of carry the loss in different areas. These things can all be tokenized, too, sure. um, where you'll be like sitting there going, oh, shit, I got a gain of, you know, whatever X. I need to go buy some losses somewhere. I need to go get something where I can, you know, uh, shield some of this. So it kind of it's it really opens up a lot of choices for the individual person um, as well as makes it easier for the institutionals and the ultra high net worth.
1: What's interesting is all of these securitized um, platforms uh, are now finally starting to see the light of day. Uh, you know, they've been working on this ship for what five years, Yeah, six years, four years. So that's interesting to see. In Singapore, it says the monetary, monetary Authority will recently launch Project Guardian, a blockchain-based asset tokenization pilot to explore DeFi applications in wholesale funding markets. I mean... Tokenize bonds and deposits to execute borrowing and lending processes on-chain. That's so, awesome.
0: Yeah, so this is where, like, you know, I've been really thinking a lot about, say, the whole industry and how... You know, just what I think about Bitcoin versus what I think of everything else. And, you know, at the risk of stating the obvious here, um, you know, I don't see that stuff happening on Bitcoin. Right. Okay. So, I mean, it could, but I think for all the obvious reasons that everybody already knows, it probably won't. Um, uh, but so to me, that's where the real potential is. Um, yeah. And I'm nothing against Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the anchor guys. It's the anchor tenant of the whole space. So, you know, it needs to kind of stay that way in my mind. But everything else, I mean, you just see what is happening and then you take that and you look at like all the genomic data and you look at those markets. I mean, I've seen Goldman Sachs numbers talking 35 trillion. right? And then there's come in by 30, 2035. And there's, you know, there's plenty of companies doing blockchain work with genomic data now um, for both, you know, um, privacy reasons as well as monetization reasons. This is this
1: is um, I opened Huge up the Marcus. report. Yeah. I opened up the report that had that data about the tokenization shit, and this is fascinating. Um, who did this report? BC
0: what? I think it's BCG, BCG. Boston Consulting Group.
1: So, big time 40, management
0: consulting firm.
1: Forty percent drop in Dex volume between December and June. Uh, market cap erosion of one trillion. Right, so pretty depressing numbers. Terra Luna is the trigger. Right here it is. Ah. To uh, cause the big fall in TVL for the DeFi, mm-hmm. DeFi protocols. By the way, um, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but I put out a, a new episode today with the guys from SpiritSwap, and I didn't include um, a, a, some questions I asked at the end of the interview about their thoughts on Phantom um, because it would have brought down that whole episode, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish it as a separate little, little piece. Um, but I will tell you that a lot of folks are – looking about in the Phantom ecosystem. Oh, they
0: really are. Well, yeah
1: everybody everybody is is. They still love Phantom. they still believe in it. they think it's the best protocol, best chain, et cetera et cetera. and they think the potential is huge. They're just a bit frustrated with traction on partnerships and deals, et cetera. so um, but anyway, well,
0: can I ask a question. what do you think Phantom needs then? what would what would they want to see to make them happier?
1: I think they would want to see, you know, like probably a 10th of the deals that Polygon's doing,
0: right? Everybody's, everybody's on the chopping block and BD and corp Dev at all these chains right now. Cause they're all like, what the frig dude, you're doing nothing. Yeah. Look
1: at fucking Polygon. And and even Avalanche has had some big announcements lately. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So
0: well, the KKR one, right? uh,
1: Exactly. But I, there, yeah, there's been a few across time. So I look, I, it's not an easy thing. And, and here's the problem. Right. So I have complete sympathy with the biz dev guys at phantom right now because it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. Biz dev is run and gun. When you have deals, you can point to, and when you have stability and growth in your chain, but when, you know, you have a founder of the chain, fuck everybody over and cause a massive depletion after causing a massive growth in TVL, um, it deflates everything, right? And then that drop in TVL, a key metric for why somebody would want to come do business on your chain, it it is next to impossible to close those deals. It's just brutal. So what you have to do is you've got to build up a bunch of small deals first, right? Incentivize the fuck out of a few protocols or a few projects outside in the real world to come on and be on your chain in one way or another. You need a couple of name brands in DeFi, and you need a couple of name brands in the real world, just even if it's minor, minor partnerships, like really something minor. We're doing a one-off NFT. You just need something. So for the next deals, you can point and stack on it. BizDev is all about stacking on your rep. Right. So you've got to build up the rep. You've got to see a little bit of growth in TVL. You've got to suck in a couple of little deals heavily incentivized so that the next people you talk to, you can say, look, look what we got going over here. We already have new deals coming in. If you don't have momentum, biz dev is a friggin' nightmare. It's yeah. a nightmare.
0: So <clears throat> well, it's look, I mean the metrics, things like TVL, dApps, protocols, community numbers. You have an probably a few others that I just can't think of off the top of my head. You have, Brad would know this better than I, but you have to scale those yep. when you're going out to develop relationships. Now I don't do a lot of BD, but I do a lot of corp dev, which is, you know, partnership deals, um, which is the same as I think we're talking about here. It's exactly. not, it's not yeah, I'm talking
1: about partnerships. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you know, people I mean, are it's a engaged. sales
1: job, but it's a bigger, but it's a, it's a yeah.
0: relationship sale and it's a B2B sale. So it's not like come mm-hmm. by this pen one right. person, you right. sell to an organization, and so exactly. you're coming in at like four different entry points. You know, I usually come in from like well the board, then legal, and then I come in through the fine CFO dude, and then I come in through you know some other outside groups. But that way, you're coming at the target from five different directions. And if you don't have the metrics to support, they don't take the calls. They don't want right. to deal with you. Yeah. And so then if that's happening, you got to figure out something else. Um, you know, how do we get them to engage? If we're not the best player, then how do we get them to do something with us anyhow? And it's usually something that's like least less expensive or less complicated or Let's less work obligated. on their part.
1: Less yeah. work on their part. We're going to do it all for you. Our devs and are going to create. Yep. We'll handle the marketing and promotion. We'll do the emails. We'll do the Twitter feed. We'll do Facebook for you. you. You're at a point where you have to take it all on, and if you don't have the team to do that, you need to spend the money to do it. Because when when you hit that precipice and things are falling off a fucking cliff, you know you you've got to do. You got to bite the bullet, suck it up, spend the money to build a base that you can build your partnerships on. Because until you do that, nothing's going to recover. And yeah. You know, and, you know, having a whaler to drop 150, 200 million wouldn't hurt either.
0: Yeah, no, I think that, look, these relationships for this type of, you know, selling have to be, you know, based upon more than just a partnership. I tend to like to have somewhat personal relationships with everybody too in business, because I don't want to just be transactional. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm like, want to be your best buddy. It just means I try to add some value around it and try to make it where you're going to like remember me because of whatever I've said in the past or given you or favors I've done. And you also form, you know, you socialize with them. Unfortunately, it's a little difficult or has been in the last few years to go out and, you know, knock back drinks with people and go to lunches and dinners. But, you know, you go meet these people in a non-selling situation like, hey, I got an extra ticket to the heat game. Dude, Do you want to go? You take them there and you don't pitch them at all. Yeah. Yeah. You don't pitch. You just hang out, have a great time, and leave. All you yep. want them thinking was, God, I, I like hanging out with that guy because I always have a good time. Yep. And then, you know, then psychologically they want to do business with you or they start wanting to, as long as it doesn't compromise the you know, the relationship side. That's what you've got to do right now in this market. Right. So if I was I would if I was Phantom, I'd be trying to organize something which brought all the BD, Corp Dev whatever type people together from all the chains into some kind of a think tanky thing or whatever, where you shared best practices and best failures and, you know, everything else in a collaborative way, not in a, a dickhead way. So send your like um, empathetic ambassadorial diplomatic people, you know, don't send your M and a team in there exactly. and, you know, get to know everybody because, you know, then when you're looking for something else later on, you know, then these people start hearing stuff in the network. They start saying, Hey, new layer one X, Y, Z is looking for somebody. And they asked about you, do you want to talk to them? I mean, that's just, it's hard to do virtually. I mean, it's hard for me because I'm more about body language and seeing people and having fun, but you know, that's what you got to do. And you got to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. Look, we were just
1: talking about this real quick. I'll run through these. This is part of what I teach in my, um, Influence and Persuasion classes at, at uh, Florida International University's MBA program. This book, Robert Cialdini's Influence, is unbelievable, absolutely amazing way to learn uh, persuasion and influence tactics. So on that biz dev front, here's the six rules of uh, influence and persuasion um, that are critical to basically closing deals or getting what you want out of people between your children, business, whatever it is, liking um, uh, people deploying are
0: deploying the dark arts on the kids. I like exactly. that. <laughs> liking
1: people are easily persuaded by people that they like or in whom they have faith. Mm-hmm. Authority people tend to obey authority figures, real or fake, even if they are asked to perform objectionable acts. So you <laughs> can refer back to the, um, laboratory tests on getting people to shock people to death. Um, Go that
0: psych test. And yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I talk about that in the class. Scarcity. Things are more attractive when their availability is limited or when we stand to lose the opportunity to acquire them on favorable terms. This deal will only last two days. If you leave the building, this deal's off the table. There's only three rooms left at this price. That's that's scarcity. Mm -hmm. Reciprocity. We generally aim to return favors, pay back debts, give in exchange, and treat others as they treat us. That's why car salesmen will give you uh, some feature on the car that you don't know is already part of the car, but they'll act like they're throwing it in in order to get you to feel like you owe them something. Um, that's how they keep you hooked and that's how they can use the influence of their manager to close the deal with you. Consistency. If people commit orally in writing to an ideal or goal, they are more likely to honor such to remain congruent with their self image. So, hey, if I can get you this price today, Is this something you think you can do? Asking people to say yes over and over and over again during the course of a pitch, even if it's for little things, not what you ultimately want them to buy, Yeah, having them committing to yeses along the way makes it incredibly difficult for our psyche to get out of a deal. We we feel like we've already committed, we've made a commitment. Um, And then social proof, uh, when uncertain or making a decision, people do things they see others doing. This is huge in crypto influencers, shilling and talking about projects, how they're investing in it, what they're involved in people that you respect or follow. Um, all of that is uh social proof. So sorry for that little tangent there, but uh, no,
0: dude, just, that was perfect. You, I mean, I was me thinking of it because I think of things like, you know, the relationship. I also think of like what I call a pedestal effect or the co pedestal effect. When you do deals with a market leader, then yep. you're up on the <laughs> pedestal with them. It gives you exactly. ability. So, you know, um, I can't remember how we got off on that tangent, but...
1: Well, we were talking about BizDev. Oh, we were talking Fanta about BizDev, how hard it is, how difficult it is for Phantom in the position they're in now, how difficult it is for all of the chains right now that aren't Polygon, frankly, or Ethereum. Um, so Who's
0: their BD guy there That we've that's a friend of ours? Simone, right?
1: No, no. Simone runs marketing, but Sorry. I, I wouldn't bring up the name anyway because,
0: you know, it my it's a little negative right now. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, reach out to him. If anybody's got any ideas. Oh, yeah, no. Simone
1: Simone runs marketing. He's the chief marketing yeah. officer. So, uh, so anyway, we had all this bad news, this dropping TVL, uh, talked about the number of increasing crypto enforcement actions, although 21 was down compared to 20. These are SEC enforcement actions, mm. right? But then the most important metric of all, despite the recent crash, developer activity has continued to sustain. And that to me is everything I see. Everybody I talk yep. to in the space, everything I do, people are not stopping. People are not giving up on what they're building. People are building new things. People are trying new things, launching new L1s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Okay, so hold up. Stay on that chart. Yeah. So no, stay on there. You're scrolling down. So that other gray bar to the left, right after the 18 peak or December 17 peak, that's the same amount of developer activity, right? Correct. The same state? Correct. Yeah, and look what that led to. Exactly. Okay, got it. Yep.
1: There you go. Um. All right. So, so that's interesting. But that actually makes me. Um. When I was talking about launching new things, I found a new uh, layer one to distract everybody with, <laughs> except it hasn't launched yet. Um. This, uh, was launched by the founder trying to get him on the show. Uh. He's. I'm trying to think of the name of the. There's an Indian Exchange. It's the largest Indian Exchange. Um, Define. Uh, W- Waxel, Wixel, something like um, that. Anyway, he's the founder of the largest exchange in India. He's launching this platform called uh, protocol chain called Shardium, um, and that this thing has a lot of very interesting uh, features. First of all, it's EVM based. Um, second of all, it's already incredibly fast. But the scalability of it, the gas price decreases the finality and speed of the chain increases based on the number of nodes. So the more nodes that get added to the chain, the faster and cheaper it gets. Um, Anybody can operate a node, has low technology and software and hardware requirements, um, immediate finality and low latency, um, leaderless proof of quorum consensus algorithm, uh, has proof of stake with with slashing um, and all kinds of other functionalities around nodes. High fairness and energy efficiency. I love this. First come, first serve basis on transactions. So there's no MEV capabilities. There's no um, minor extracted value capabilities because it's first traction in, first traction out. I mean, transaction in, transaction out. So I'm going to try to get him on the show uh, so we can ask him some some questions and, yeah. and hear more about what they're building. Um, fixed supply of 508 million SHM, that's their token. It's only on Testnet right now, by the way. No, I was going to say, Alpha. I just
0: put on going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's
1: only in Testnet right now. Has not launched. Um, but I'm excited about it. Uh, A venture capitalist I follow uh, invests in it, uh, struck crypto, and um, I'm I'm impressed with Mm. so far what I've read about the technical infrastructure on it. Uh, The the distribution is, uh, node mining is 51% of the tokens will come from node mining, completely from staking essentially. Uh, 18% in a sale, uh, 15% to the team, 11% to the nonprofit foundation, and then 5% to the ecosystem and for airdrops. So- Go sign up for that testnet What's wallet. it
0: called? Shardium? S-H-A-R-D-E-U-M. Shardium.
1: Shardium S-H-A-R-D-E-U-M. Shardium.org.
0: No, I There's just a, put it in our the comments for everybody.
1: Okay, good. Shardium.org. Um, pretty impressive. Uh I went ahead and claimed my hundred on the testnet. And I'll help test out when it happens. But you um
0: yeah, of course. You're always in there.
1: I'm gonna that's it's you know, when you have an insatiable appetite for information, you you sometimes get paid for it so
0: that's yeah awesome. no that's awesome
1: um anyway really impressed with it and of course the the guy behind it is a is a rock star so um you know we'll we'll see how it goes but this is one i definitely want to, oh here it is initial shetty uh wazer x oh also crowdfire i didn't know he founded crowdfire uh you said.com
0: anyway. io.
1: what the website Shardium. Shardium. Shardium.
0: Shardium. org. .org. Jeez. .org. <laughs> yeah Got it. I'm yeah. just bookmarking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Niblets. DeFi projects need to learn that BD is not a list of product features. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Totally true. Hey, Sean brought up earlier, and we didn't talk about it. He said the risk for ETH 2.0 is asymmetric to the downside. A working merge is already priced in. A fail at any level is not priced in, and we will see spot sell pressure after the merge for both ETH yeah. chains. Totally agree. I, I I completely agree with that analysis, right? It's like we're already expecting it to succeed. That should already be factored into the price. We may see a little run just before it happens of people wanting to jump in or people wanting to get something out of the fork. But I absolutely agree, Sean, that that it's probably a downside move post-merge as opposed to an upside move. I don't think it's going to yeah. be... I, I doubt it'll be too dramatic, but I definitely think you know you're right. And remember all of those staking locked up ethereum tokens they're not going anywhere post merge they are going to be locked up still for at least another 6 months so there's another upgrade that still has to happen so anyway sharding was interesting to me uh what else oh as i said there's a new episode with spirit swap i got to tell you joe we talked about this last week so i'm not going to go into a lot of detail but um this version 2 of theirs is incredibly powerful and it's powerful for users, but it's also powerful for protocols that want to manage liquidity on Phantom. Um, really, really full-blown, manage everything, permissionless, composable. Um, they're doing so many things to make it optimized for users to make money in the platform, to not suffer uh, impermanent loss if they're spirit and spirit holders and they're doing bribes. So give it a listen. They did a great job. I love this guys. These, the four guys that uh, run this organization called layer three that are the developers behind spirit swap, just really impressive. They completely revamped the engine and they completely revamped the interface. When you go to try spirit swap, click on the the beta for version two at the top, because the interface is just really sweet, really well done. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, this was interesting. Um, if you ever wanted to run a node, we were talking about running nodes the other day. This is not yeah. a staking node. This is just running a node for to help the network. Um, there's, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but there's a, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, kind of out of the box, spin it up, run it on a VPS or on a machine in your house, and you'll have your own uh, Ethereum node up and running in no time. It's everything's taken care of for you. Uh, this is interesting. So um, I, I don't. I don't quite know how I feel about this. So this uh, NFT project called Doodles um, raised $54 million uh, from the former founder of Reddit. And it's, look, I think the NFTs are really cute and they're funny and people love them and they've sold for upwards of, I I saw 100, the total collection is worth 121 million. Bored Ape is 1.27 billion. Uh, The biggest sale was 269 ETH or $1.1 million at the time of sale because of rare attributes. But here's the thing. I truly believe NFTs, music, video games, et cetera, are the gateway for crypto to the average people, right? Especially younger folks. I I totally agree with it. I believe it. I think it makes sense. Starbucks, that Starbucks story yesterday helped us see that, you know, there's other uses of NFTs that'll also drive non-crypto natives into it. But it's difficult every big NFT project that raises around says, we're going to do games and music (laughs) and, and investors are diving into this shit to the tune of in this one, 54 million at a $704 million valuation. And while I think there's promise for them, the fact that somebody relaunched some nice art that did really well, they did a great job of, of, maximizing scarcity, getting people excited about it, getting influencers to buy it. thats Those are all great business attributes. I love it. But just because you created that doesn't mean you're going to be a master of penetrating NFTs into the real world. The people that are buying your NFTs are crypto natives. The people who you want to buy the other shit you're going to produce are not crypto natives. Enormous. Right? Yeah. So I, I have a hard time... I mean, evidently, they believed, you know, the investors believe in the founders of Doodles that have the chops to do this. So I guess no. I can't I can't knock that. But it's just hard for me to imagine that every major NFT project is going to break into the real world. And, you know, $704 million valuation is pretty steep. But, hey, yeah. I guess they figure they can get their NFTs out of it.
0: Well, awesome. look, you know, how many of us are still trading baseball cards? You know, it's like, it's not... <clears throat> You know from childhood it's it's somewhat a little tricky i almost feel like nft tech is going to somehow turn into advertising in that um with all the uh, stuff built into that nft uh token contract or whatever you know doing different things like tracking and monetizing and getting things so, so i think nfts aside from the collectible side i think eventually it's just going to kind of go in the background like infrastructure yeah. sort of my i'm not talking about board ape and stuff like that because i don't really know anything about those but i'm right. talking about nfts as a as a tool as yep. a functional thing no i, mean, I agree i agree yeah you know, anyway so maybe it's they're thinking something like i'm getting maybe they're thinking something like that you know when they're looking at because so. 776 is, is smart <laughs> so oh yeah no he's a he's yeah. a
1: smart guy and, and he's made great investments and so you know, look. It's not just him either. It's I FTS think it's just the market, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look i i i i don't have the money that Alexis has, so I, I certainly can't speak to why he's making these decisions. and 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 his credibility is much better than mine. That said, I, not every NFT project is going to score like this into the real world. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, there's, you know, the headwinds from the uh, environmental issue of NFTs. that has been kind of quiet lately. I haven't heard much about it. But, you know, when those when NFT markets cranking, that fud is out everywhere.
1: Of course. So You
0: yeah. know, so that kind of a little bit of that. And we kind of have to get over that perception. I mean, I think I talked about this a little bit recently, but that, you know, if you compare, I mean, again, BTC, mining costs, whatever, hashing costs, all of that, you know, yep. what's the cost of like cutting down all these trees and making paper money, you yeah. know, and printing that and doing all of that and maintaining that system? I, I just can't see it being as much myself. No, um, no, So I think it's fun. And I think it's the same with NFTs. Now, you can mint NFTs super cheap on, you know, our buddies at Polygon and a few other ones. I think Wax has pretty cheap minting well, too. And-
1: and very soon there won't be any mining impact on Ethereum. But right. you know, my A argument about mining, my 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 argument about mining is is that I, I always believe in the aligned incentives, right? And so mm-hmm. the the incentive for miners is to create better forms of energy that cost them less money, so they make more money on what they mine, right? At the end of the day, the most cost efficient shit is going to be the renewables and alternative energy sources that are not climate impacting and so from my perspective proof of work actually can drive solutions to climate and tech coming out of it and the incentives are significant enough the money is significant enough that i have no problem with proof of work i actually i actually think it's it's a it's a positive for society so oh,
0: i think it's not positive too yeah. i mean i just i mean this is just on the the effects of it, not on the underlying premise of say the, the algorithm of proof of work or the art of that, which we all know has a tremendous amount of value too. But I think in this process um, that I think if you directly compare, uh, let's say carbon costs of the, of the mining overall versus all the other costs that it's replacing in other industries, I think we're net positive. Yeah. And I think that BTC could do what Polygon did in some way, shape, if they really felt bad about it or needed to. Do some deal with a climate-type entity where you're getting carbon carbon credits and doing yep. things there to offset. I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah, um, And I think – because it's not a real big issue in my mind. Uh, so I think that's the same with NFTs. But I didn't even think of the fact that you said, Brad, that with ETH, which is where I'm primarily thinking of NFT minting costs. Yep. Those are going to plummet.
1: Well, the costs – the costs right now for minting aren't too high, but at post merge, we're not going to see a massive reduction in fees, but, but we, we will see the, the lack of proof of work mining associated with NFTs anymore on Ethereum chain. Right. So that's actually an advantage that polygon currently has that they will no longer have. They'll have to, the NFT advantage for them will be price because Ethereum, you'll still be paying. I think right now it's like three to five bucks, you know, a, a transaction. I I haven't done any direct uh, ETHL one transactions lately, but I would assume yeah. that. So, um, yeah, threw this uh, one up. Oh yeah, well I knew this was going to happen. You, yeah. they already they telegraphed this. Yeah,
0: everybody. They were telling everybody.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whew. Look, I gotta believe. I I I have to believe that. The folks at Galaxy figured whatever comes out of this lawsuit was going to be cheaper than whatever the fuck the problems were with
0: Bitco. Yeah. I mean, I'm just surprised that there was. I mean, I haven't looked at the term sheet, but I'm surprised there wasn't a breakup fee in here. I mean, if I was Bitco and Galaxy. There was probably the
1: was, but I bet Galaxy did it on the basis of cause because they were claiming that um, Bitco couldn't provide the financial documents oh. uh, to back up their claims.
0: So it was a due diligence thing yeah you can i mean usually there's only like a no shop clause a confidentiality clause and um i think that's about the oh and the exclusivity clause that's about the only thing that's usually binding in a lot of these now i don't know this is probably this a is, heavier terms but go ahead
1: this article says it was held up because the sec held up galaxy's uh Decision to plans to reorganize as a Delaware-based company. They were waiting on the USSEC mm. on its plans to reorganize as a Delaware-based company because currently they trade in Canada and they want to list on NASDAQ. But at the time, when they bailed on the deal, they said that they were bailing on it because um, uh, BitGo couldn't give them the financial records that that were required for the agreement. So I'm not sure which is the truth now, but um yeah. It'll, just, It'll yeah, You're right. Of course, of course. This is just posturing to get a negotiation <laughs> perspective. Um, let's see if there's anything else exciting here that we had queued up, Joe. I think.
0: You said all oh, let me just do a, do a quick double check in this feed real fast. Let I send over.
1: Oh, maker is uh turning to staked ETH to reduce the USDC influence.
0: Yeah, they supposedly got spooked by um I think see usdc blacklisted 38 wallets that were integrating or doing stuff in there uh-huh and so they're like uh-oh and so now they've raised the loan limit or the debt limit so they could bring in more stake teeth to dilute the usdc i guess influence on their treasury or balance sheet
1: <laughs> okay well, wow, that's a good move
0: yeah i it just it's kind of what you talk about a lot i sort of saw that and i was like huh Thirty-four um,
1: percent of all assets locked on USDC are in Maker, and the te- tokens are the single largest source of collateral that backs Dai. Maker's stablecoin yeah. I mean, approval of the pro- proposal to raise the ceiling to two hundred million dollars allows STE to be deposited against Dai, reducing USDC's influence. That's smart, very smart. I mean, yeah, there's some I risk think- inherent in there, I guess, but because uh, of the volatility of ETH. But well, I think, I think they
0: also smart. got tired of being, you know, Dai being called. The wrapped USDC, right? I right. think they want the die brand to be yeah. independent um, and not people not to associate it with, you know, an ability to blacklist wallets. I mean, like like we talk about. I mean, it's yeah, just absolutely. different rules, different products. I'm not saying anything negative about USDC. I'm just all saying right. that people that don't want that will choose other ways to do it.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Um, so
1: that's all I've got for the day, Joe.
0: Me too. I guess you know. I would say. Um, you know, things seem to be where they were when we started. Um, I'm going to watch to see what happens the rest of the day with the U.S. equities to see where they close out, if there's any rallies. I mean, I was looking at Nikkei futures earlier. I think I still have the tab up. I mean, those – let me see where they are exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, those those were going down. They've kind of stabilized for the last – looks like from about 1230 on. But, you know, the reason I watch those is, I mean – I guess the guys that really know how to do this already know this, of course. But, you know, when you watch capital flow across the globe 24 hours, you know, it's going, you know, Europe, U.S., Asia on that route because of the clocks. So I always look at the European stuff, DAC, FTSE, CAC, all those to see what's going on in Europe before I look at the futures for U.S. market in the morning. And then I always keep track of Nikkei because after U.S. closes, you look where that future is and that's, you know, kind of like where they think it's going to go the next day. So what you got to do is get one day where like say Nick us tanks and Nikkei goes up and right. then it breaks the cycle. But when you see everybody going down, then I just wait for one to, to dislocate from that sequence, but it hasn't yet. Nikkei's off. I mean, 1.85%. That's not that bad.
1: Yeah. S and P's down 3.04 yeah. off of yesterday's close. You know, but,
0: we- I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's just, these are 3.4 point moves. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah if you're a crypto person but you know those are big moves in equities yeah yeah yeah. but that's just reshuffling you know it's like when you know when something like a cpi print happens and it causes everybody to change you know expectations on rate hikes remember that the rate hike number goes into the cost of capital when companies are valuing their uh businesses and when yep. you value a business for the most part, the tech and things like that that we operate in, um, you know, you tend to value it on what's all the future cash flow going to be. And then we discount it back to today's dollars, you know, accounts for inflation, and all that stuff to say net present value, this is what it's worth today. Yeah. And then so when you change a part of the denominator of the equation, <laughs> it has a pretty significant impact on stock valuations because all the algos run automatically on it. There's not a trader sitting there going, oh, shit, you know, it's just the computer's doing it all. And they're like, okay, we repriced everything. And so that's when you see these big sell-offs of like 875 points or so. It's because of that. But they're buying in other places too. So it's not like, um, you know, it it just kind of resets the bar. Where's the value? And so that's what it has, but it's nothing... You know, if it was off 10,000, yeah. you know, then I'd be like, well, okay, now we got something to think about here. But, you know, in these days and times, this is really nothing. Um, yep, It'll come back. And it has to happen. Remember, how much liquidity has been pumped into the market since 2008 across, you know, let's just say Europe and U.S. I mean, I think it's 20 to 25 trillion dollars. You know, I think 12 in the U.S. and whatever in Europe. Got to be pretty close to that since they're bigger than us. Um, you know, some level of that has to come back out. Sure. Um, not all, because the market's grown tremendously. The economy's grown tremendously over the last 14 years, but some amount is like, you know, fat. Yeah. yeah. Slop, and it has to be chopped out. And that's what this is. Um, so I wouldn't make any big panic moves if I was anybody out there. But, you know, this is, I'm talking macro here. In crypto, obviously, we're watching the merge. And, you know, I would be very concerned about the, sell the news component or buy the news, sell the event component of this right. uh, myself. And I think we're already seeing a little of that, but I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next three days. Cool. Cool. So not financial advice. I'm trying to help everybody. Um, just my thoughts. There's 50 other people that think I'm full of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> and two of those are my ex-wives. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you everybody for watching and listening. Please just take uh, two minutes when you get a chance today. Open up Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a rating and a review. It really helps boost us in the rankings um, and is greatly appreciated by us. Thank you, Sean and Niblets, for participating today. And anyone else that's out there listening that thinks they have some thoughts or ideas, do not hesitate to join into the chat every day live at noon Eastern or uh, send us your comments on YouTube and or in Discord uh, we would love to chat with you some time. Uh, Mission DeFi Discord links is on the missiondefi.com website. And um, we always appreciate your feedback. If you're watching on yeah. YouTube, please uh, click on the subscribe button uh, and click the little bell to make sure you get notified when new episodes come out. Uh, and that's all I got for today, Joe. Have a great day. Yeah, and
0: don't forget to listen to Brad's episode on um, Spirit Swap. Uh, Thank you, Joe. You know- yeah, I told some, you know, some of the guys that I know at Treasury, one in particular, probably listening right now, um, you know, went off to a nice boutique consulting firm uh, covering digital assets. Nice. And, you know, these are like high end policy type guys. So it's really impressive. So I steered him to Mission DeFi, said, nice. you want to understand DeFi, you know, go there and see everything that who Brad's been interviewing. So I recommend that to anybody. Uh, MissionDeFi.com. All the DeFi lunch stuff is there too. But you know, you might get bored listening to me just, you know, hem and haw for an hour with Brad. Joe's but, Alpha
1: know. is up there and archived for the world to hear.
0: <laughs> but hey, I'll game up in my LinkedIn game. So follow me guys. I see it. That, under man. 305. Yes, yeah, sir. You like we it? we love it. We love All it. All right, cool. Keep it up. All right. All right. Bye everyone. Bye everybody.